Welcome to The Word for Today, featuring the Bible teaching of Pastor Chuck Smith, founder of the Calvary Chapel Movement. This radio program is a verse-by-verse study through the entire Bible. And on today's edition of The Word for Today, Pastor Chuck continues with a second return to Jerusalem as we pick up in Ezra, chapter 7, verse 10. And now, with today's message, here's Pastor Chuck. Ezra had prepared his heart to seek the law of the Lord and to do it and to teach Israel statutes and judgments. So Ezra was called a ready scribe. He had sought his heart to seek God. And Artaxerxes had given to him permission to come on back with another contingency of men, about 1,754 plus their, their little ones and uh, their wives, their subs, uh, all their substance. So uh, this is now the, the second return. It's a small one under Ezra uh, coming back to Jerusalem. A favorite phrase, and of course now we get into chapter 7, we get into, uh, this, is, this is 80 years approximately after the first people had come. So the people, of course, have been in the land, those that first returned, they've been now there for about 80 years uh, when Ezra comes on the scene and he evidently has favor with the king. He is granted permission to go back in order that he might teach and instruct the people in the ways of the law of God. A popular phrase with Ezra is the good hand of God upon him. Now, Artaxerxes gave Ezra the priest a a decree. Verse 12, Artaxerxes, king of kings, unto Ezra the priest, a scribe of the law of God of heaven, perfect peace at such a time. I make a decree that all they of the people of Israel and of his priests and Levites in my realm, which are minded of their own free will to go up to Jerusalem, go with you. For as much as you are sent of the king, and of his seven counselors to inquire concerning Judah and Jerusalem according to the law of thy God which is in your hand and to carry the silver and the gold which the king and his counselors have freely offered unto the God of Israel whose habitation is in Jerusalem. And all the silver and the gold that you can find in all the provinces of Babylon with the freewill offering of the people and all the priests offer willingly for the house of their God which is in Jerusalem that you may buy speedily with this money the bullocks and the rams, lambs and their meal meal offerings, their drink offerings, and offer them on the altar of the house of your God, which is in Jerusalem, and whatsoever shall seem good to thee and to your brothers, do with the rest of the silver and gold after the will of your God. And so the vessels also that are given thee for the service of the house of God, those deliver before the God of Jerusalem. And whatsoever more shall be needful for the house of thy God, which thou shalt have occasion to bestow, bestow it out of the king's treasure house." And I, even I, Artaxerxes, the king, do make a decree to all the treasures which are beyond the river that whatsoever Ezra the priest, the scribe of the law of God of heaven, shall require of you, be it done speedily unto a hundred talents of silver, to a hundred measures of wheat, to a hundred baths of wine, to a hundred baths of oil and salt without prescribing. And whatsoever is commanded by the God of heaven, let it be diligently done in the house of the God of heaven, for why should there be wrath against the realm of the king and his sons? Now, why would he say that? Because he said, Ezra had gone to the king and said, now the hand of the Lord is upon all them for good who seek him. But if those forsake him, then, you know, the the punishment and the wrath of God. So 
He said, why should you know, God's wrath be upon me? Go ahead and do all of these things. So he also made the decree that they could not tax the ministers, the priest, and all of those who, who ministered in the house of God. There was not to be any taxes or tolls or customs imposed upon them. And thou, Ezra, after the wisdom of thy God that is in your hand, set magistrates and judges, which may judge all the people which are beyond the river, all such as know the laws of God, and teach them that know them not. And whosoever will not do the law of thy God, the law of the king, let judgment be executed speedily upon him, whether it be to death or banishment or to confiscation of his goods or to imprisonment. And Ezra said, Blessed be the Lord God of our fathers, which hath put such a thing as this in the king's heart, to beautify the house of the Lord, which is at Jerusalem, and hath extended mercy unto me before the king and his counselors and before the king's mighty princes. And he said, Ezra said, I was strengthened as the hand of the Lord my God was upon me, and I gathered together out of Israel the chief men to go up with me. So, Ezra, no doubt, had uh, a very great favor in the eyes of Artaxerxes. And Artaxerxes gave this marvelous decree, giving unto Ezra money and uh, also commanding that those on the other side give money, also commanding that he could collect a free will offering. But it is interesting to me that so few really decided to go back with Ezra. Now, as many as want can return and only 1,754 wanted to. What had happened is that the Jews had become so prosperous. They, they started into businesses and all. Up until, of course, the time of captivity, there were most of them just farmers. But uh, here they started getting into businesses, and they started getting so prosperous and so wealthy that they just really didn't want to go back to the hardships of the land. The land of Israel was, was still offered just a lot of hardship, a lot of work. It was, you know, everything was rebuilding. Here they were in uh, Persia in this great and glorious empire, and they were wealthy. They were getting along so well, they really didn't des desire to go back. And so the f though they all had the rights, as many as want to, of their own free will to return, uh, may do so at this time. Only 1,754 chose to do so. The rest of them just settling down, comfortable, uh, prosperous, not wanting to go through the rigors of trying to rebuild uh, the land that had been desolated. So in chapter 8, it gives to us a list of those who went with Ezra, totaling out about 754 of the males uh, when you add the priests that were added to later. So uh, they, they numbered the people, and they found out that they didn't have any ministering priest among them of the Levites. And so they, they wanted to take back some priests that could minister also. And so a uh, search was made, and they found these men. And by the good hand of our God upon us, uh, they brought to us a man of understanding and his sons, uh, who were the sons of Levi, the sons of Israel. And so they returned with them to the land. But as they gathered at the river and they were ready to go, they had collected a lot of money. The king had given them a lot of gold and silver. 
And he said, then I proclaim, verse 21, a fast there at the river of Ahava, that we might afflict ourselves before our God to seek a right way for us and for our little ones and for all of our substance. For, he said, I was ashamed to require the king of hand of soldiers and horsemen to help us against the enemies in the way uh, because he had actually told the king how great God was. Oh, the God that we serve, you know, he is the God of the universe and he's the God, you know, he's really been bragging to the king about God, been witnessing to the king about the power and the greatness of God and how God watches over his people and how God's hand is upon those for good who seek after him and we're going to seek after God and all. And so the king you know, gave him all this gold and everything else and now he has all this treasure and he's got this long journey through this land that is filled with nomadic tribes who plunder all of the caravans that come along. They live off of these caravans. And with all of the wealth that he is carrying, he's really worried about it. What if they get plundered on the way, you know? And they're going to have to move slowly. Actually, it took them four full months to make the journey from the area there in Persia to, to Jerusalem and with all this money. So he, he really had sort of painted himself into a corner in bragging about God it would be inconsistent to go back to the king now and say, would you mind sending a bunch of, uh, you know, a bunch of soldiers and horsemen, you know, so we can, you know, be protected from the enemy when they had told him that God was able to protect. So uh, they fasted and prayed, and they then uh, began their journey. So he took 12 of the men and he divided the treasure among them, weighed out all of the silver and the gold to these 12 men. And uh, he instructed them to watch it and to keep it. And so we departed from the river Hava on the 12th day of the first month to go to Jerusalem. And the hand of our God was upon us and he delivered us from the hand of the enemy and such as lay in wait by the way and we came to Jerusalem, and we were there for three days. Now on the fourth day, the silver and the gold and the vessels that were weighed in the house of our God by the hand of uh, Merimoth, the son of Uriah the priest, and with him was Eliezer, the son of Phinehas, and with him was Josabad, the son of Joshua, and Nodiah, and, and so forth. And so they had these guys bring the gold in, and they weighed it out, and it was all there. Every, every ounce uh, made it safely. And they delivered the king's decree to the king's lieutenants and to the governors on this side of the river, and they furthered the people and the house of God. Now when these things were done, the princes came to me, saying, The people of Israel and the priests and the Levites have not separated themselves from the people of the lands, doing according to the abominations even of the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Perizzites, the Jebusites, the Ammonites, and the Moabites, and the Egyptians, and the Amorites. For they have taken of their daughters for themselves and for their sons, so that the holy seed have mingled themselves with the people of those lands. Yea, the hand of the princes and the rulers hath been chief in this, dis in this trespass. Now, they came to Ezra and they gave to him this awesome report. For God said to them when they had come into the land that they weren't to take any of the daughters for their own sons or give their daughters to their sons to be married. 
that they were to be a separate people, a holy people unto God, and they weren't to have any intermarriages with the other tribes. The reason being that God was preserving the holy seed for the coming of his son. Also, there was the danger that they would begin to worship the gods of the Canaanites and the Perizzites and all. So God forbid interracial marriages only for the Jews. And I think that it's important that we point this out. God did not make a general prohibition of interracial marriages. There are those who, who try to make out that interracial marriages are against the Scripture. That is not so. It was only for the Jews that God commanded them not to marry interracially with those inhabitants of the land. But uh, even Boaz, the great-grandfather of David, married a Moabitess. And from that, of course, Christ was in that line. But the prohibition was not to marry the people of the land lest, you know, you, you turn to their gods and turn away from the living God. So they bring the report to Ezra. Now, since they've returned, these guys haven't been keeping the law of God. They've been marrying these gals. And actually, the priest and the, and, and the chief leaders are some of the worst offenders. Now, the effect that this had on Ezra was just overwhelming. You see, Ezra had come back to teach them the law of God. He, he was a teacher and a ready scribe, and, and his whole purpose in returning was to teach the people the law of God. And here, they had been for 70 years in captivity in Babylon because of their idolatry, because of their disobedience to God. And now... They've been in the land again for just about 80 years, but they're right back in their old idolatry. And it's just more than Ezra can believe. He's just astonished. He, when I heard this thing, I tore my clothes and my mantle. I pulled my hair out of my head and off my beard, and I sat down astonished. I can't believe this. And so he pulls out his hair, his beard, tears his clothes, and just sits down there astonished. And then were assembled unto me everyone that trembled at the words of the, God of, of the God of Israel because of the transgression of those that had been carried away, and I sat astonished until the evening sacrifice. And at the evening sacrifice, I arose from my heaviness, and having torn my garment and my mantle, I fell on my knees and spread out my hands unto the Lord my God. And I said, Oh my God, I'm ashamed. And I blushed to lift up my face to thee, my God, for our iniquities are increased over our head, and our trespass is grown up unto the heavens. For since the days of our fathers have we been in great trespass unto this day, and for our iniquities have we, our kings and our priests, been delivered into the hand of the kings of the lands, to the sword and to captivity as a spoil, to the confusion of faces it is today. 
And now for this little space, grace has been shown from the Lord our God to leave us a remnant to escape and to give us a nail in his holy place that our God might lighten our eyes and give us a little reviving in our bondage. For we were bondmen, and yet our God hath not forsaken us in our bondage, but hath extended mercy unto us in the sight of the kings of Persia to give us a reviving and to set up the house of our God and to repair the desolations and to give a wall in Judah and in Jerusalem. And now, O our God, what shall we say after this? For we have forsaken your commandments, which you have commanded by thy servants and the prophets, saying, The land into which you go to possess is an unclean land with the filthiness of the people of the lands, and their abominations which have filled it from one end to another with their uncleanness. Now, therefore, give not your daughters unto their sons, neither take their daughters unto your sons, nor seek their peace, nor their wealth forever, that ye may be strong and eat the good of the land and leave it for an inheritance to your children forever. And after all that has come upon us for our evil deeds and for our great trespass, seeing that you are our God, have punished us less than our iniquities deserve, and you have given us such deliverance as this, should we again break your commandments and join in affinity with the people of these abominations? Wouldst not thou be angry with us till thou hast consumed us so that there should be no remnant nor escaping? O Lord God of Israel, thou art righteous, for we remain yet escaped as it is this day. Behold, we are before thee in our trespasses. We cannot stand before thee because of this. So, Ezra's tremendous prayer unto God shows that he does have a good knowledge of the law of God which he came to teach the people. Shows that he does have a good concept of, of the will of God and of the purpose of God for the people and offers his prayer before God acknowledging that the judgments of God really were merciful. He did not judge them as much as they deserved. And here, they're going right back and doing the same thing. God, what can I say? You know, we're, we're lucky that you haven't wiped us out completely. We're fortunate that we still exist. And so he, he calls out unto God for the people. And so they come to him, the leaders and the people, and they, say we've, they, they said, we've done a terrible thing. And so this was the remedy. Those who had married wives from the land were to put them away and their children. It seems like a very harsh measure indeed. But they were to divorce all of those wives that were not Israelites. And all of the children that were born of them were to be put out. They said, hey, you know, give us a little time to do it because there's quite a few of us that have trespassed in this thing. And so they took this very stringent measure in putting them out. Now, I did mention that interracial marriages were only forbidden to the Jews, but there is for we Christians the injunction, be not unequally yoked together with an unbeliever. So you should never go into a marriage with an unbeliever. You're just violating the law of God. What fellowship hath light with darkness? What communion, concourse hath Christ with Belial? But here, a very stringent 
and harsh measure was taken, they put away all of these wives, and they said unto him with a loud voice, As thou hast said, so must we do. They realized that it was a divine imperative. We must do it. It seems cruel. It seems harsh. But it had to be done if they were going to survive. It was a matter now of survival. And so they took this cruel, harsh measure, put away all the wives and the children, and separated themselves again unto God and since that time, though Israel is guilty and the people have been guilty of many sins, they have not been guilty of idolatry. It seemed to be the cure, finally, for an idolatrous people whose major sin was that of idolatry. And that seemed to be a permanent cure for Israel as far as idolatry was concerned. Now, the names of those that were involved are listed towards the end of the book, and thus we get to the end of the book of Ezra. We'll return with more of our verse-by-verse Bible study in the book of Nehemiah on our next broadcast. As Pastor Chuck continues to teach through the Bible, and we do hope you'll make plans to join us. But right now, if you'd like to order a copy of today's message, simply order Ezra 7 through 10 when visiting thewordfortoday.org. And while you're there, be sure to browse the many additional biblical resources by Pastor Chuck. You can also subscribe to the Word for Today podcast or sign up for our email subscription. Once again, that's thewordfortoday.org. For those of you wishing to call, our toll-free number is 1-800-272-WORD, and our office hours are Monday through Friday, 8 a.m. to 5 p.m. Pacific Time. Again, that's 1-800-272-9673. If you prefer to write, our mailing address is The Word for Today, P.O. Box 8000, Costa Mesa, California, 92628. And now, on behalf of the Word for Today, we'd like to thank all of you who share in supporting this ministry with your prayers and financial support. And be sure to join us again next time as Pastor Chuck continues his verse-by-verse study through the Bible. That's right here on the next edition of The Word for Today. And now, once again, here's Pastor Chuck. May the Lord bless you and watch over you this week. May his hand be upon your life to strengthen you, to guide you. May he use you as his instrument to do his work. May God fill you with love and with understanding, compassion, the Spirit. May you walk in the Spirit and be led of the Spirit of God this week. Jesus' name. This program has been sponsored by Calvary Chapel of Costa Mesa, California. 
Undoubtedly, one of the most glaring signs that our society is in trouble is the breakdown of the family unit. Marriages just aren't making it today, and kids are suffering as they watch the breakup of their homes. Those marriages still holding together are often plagued by conflict and turmoil, making the home a battleground instead of a refuge. That's why The Word for Today would like to present Pastor Chuck Smith's Marriage and Family MP3, where Pastor Chuck discusses basic biblical principles to keep a family's love alive. Each member of the family has a different set of needs and responsibilities. And when you know and apply God's principles, everyone in the family can experience real peace, real joy, and an agape love. To order your copy of the Marriage and Family MP3 by Chuck Smith, call The Word for Today at 800-272-WORD or visit us online at thewordfortoday.org.